Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Nick Roush. He's Adam Luckett. This is 11 Personnel coming at you live. And you can see us live at our proud sponsor, Monticello Bank. We will be live and in person in at the branch location in Linden. 9900 Ormsby Station Road, June 14th at noon. That's a Wednesday lunch, a little hump day tree. So bring your questions. Come by. It's one of their outstanding 21 branches in 14 counties across the Commonwealth. You can visit them at NBCBank.com. They're putting the numbers on your side. Now, come join their side and come join us out at Monticello Bank on Wednesday of next week. Joining us today, uh, returning guest to the show. We don't have a lot of guests, but he's been here. We've been there on that SEC podcast. He's Michael Braddon. You know him best as SEC Mike, delivering the takes that will make you quake. And sometimes... Uh, Mike, it, it doesn't go very uh, – let's just put it this way. Kentucky fans have been mad at you a time or two or ten. Um, but I think that they might not be mad at you this time around. So, have you extended an olive branch to the Big Blue Nation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just tell it like it is or as I see it. And, hey, if that's going to bother some people, so be it. But um, before we get rolling, can I share the story of, of you tracking me down at Media Days last year? Have you shared that? <laughs> uh, you, by, by all means, share it. Share away. Yeah, so obviously I went a little viral last year, and, and I feel like I was vindicated by my comments, but uh, that's neither here nor there. But <laughs> basically I called out Will Levis. I said Kentucky's in for a disappointing season, and, man, that did not go over well. And I'm at Media Days. You know, you're trying to connect with a lot of people, trying to get them on your show. You're, they're trying to get you on theirs. And I got a DM from Roush, didn't say anything other than, where are you? And <laughs> within five minutes, he was in my face, got a, got a camera ready to go. Uh, you can go back and check that out on the uh, the archives there. But it, I was I didn't know if I was going to get punched or what. <laughs> and to your point, you were correct that they were putting the whole team on Will Levis's back. And the one... Uh, in our fun little back and forth, the one thing that we we didn't have an answer for, Luckett, the big variable last year was Rich Scangarello. He could be a disaster, and turns out Rich Scangarello was a disaster, uh, Adam Luckett. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we've talked about Rich Scangarello enough on this podcast. Let's look ahead to the future here. Uh, Mike, I think you might be pretty high on Kentucky. I'll kind of let you explain, but just kind of walk us through why you think you, you – could you know Kentucky's got a little pattern here they're going big season kind of disappointing season big season kind of disappointing season now they're in line for a big season potentially why do you think maybe they'll they're in that position yeah a lot of reasons and it starts almost always with the quarterback and for I know you guys have talked at length on Devin Leary your audience knows all about it but I don't know if SEC fans in general realize what a quality quarterback Kentucky got out of the portal. I mean, he had options uh, ranging from Auburn with Hugh Freeze, Florida, Billy Napier, and I'm sure several, several others. But he chose Mark Stoops, Liam Cohen, and Kentucky. So, I mean, that just tells it, you know, the state of the Kentucky football program beating some of the best in the country for the top quarterback prospect in the transfer portal and that's just that's not my opinion alone that's many people's opinion and many people that I respect their opinion I love Ray Davis not a lot of people watch Vanderbilt over the years but he was one of the shining stars um, I would even go you know I don't know if you could say he's an upgrade over Chris Rodriguez because Rodriguez was so good but I don't think there's going to be much of a drop off there and the receivers I love the receivers at Kentucky back again for a second season two guys in particular of course key and brown in sophomore seasons if they continue to progress this may be the best receiving core kentucky has ever had and you know you already hit on it liam cohen back for another season i i credit liam cohen 
for getting all that he could out of Will Levis and, and starting that hype. And if he can do similar things with Devin Leary, I think the offense, barring a, a, another collapse on the offensive line, I know that's, that's kind of the big question mark, but if they can get that resolved, I think they're going to have one hell of an offense. And the defense is already elite among SEC schools. They've got a top, probably a top three coordinator in the SEC in Brad White. I had someone, Dave Bar 2 CFB Matrix, he says Brad White's a top 10 defensive coordinator in the entire country. And he just goes based on numbers. It's not, a, it's not an opinion. That's what the data is telling him. So there's a lot to like about Kentucky. The only thing I don't like, and this is not their fault, but uh, they got to go to Athens and they host Alabama. They catch Alabama out of the West. So otherwise, you know, I may be hyping this up as an SEC East potential spoiler team, but um you know there's other games obviously but you're gonna have to probably win both of those if you're gonna win the east and i just i don't know if i'm ready to go quite that far (laughs) i do appreciate though mike that you are you are willing to kind of push the limits um you have um you're one of the few that can make paul feinbaum blush so (laughs) i'm curious how did that first how did that um i i want to get more into your thoughts on kentucky but i am more interested in how the hell did you you sneak your way on to Feinbaum? And then now you and Paul seem to have a nice, friendly little back and forth pretty regularly. Yeah, I wish I could tell you. I mean, I, I think just him having me on and me making a fool of myself so many times. I, I was actually just thinking about this recently, but one of the very first times I was on his show, I think it, it was not the last year of Will Muschamp at South Carolina, but it was the second to last. And I said, watch out for South Carolina. I think they can win 10 games. They the Georgia game will be paramount. And, hey, they pulled an upset of all upsets. They beat Georgia. I was looking good. Uh, They won four games that year. So (laughs) he had me on, like, January 1, he wanted to have me on, and he wanted to have me on to roast me for 10 minutes. He said it was the worst take of the year. So uh, I I think he gets good (laughs) entertainment value out of having me on. And, um, you know, that that was awesome at Media Days. I also called out Jimbo Fisher, and that made A&M fans go irate. I basically said Arkansas is a better program, better coach, better quarterback, better coordinators. And I think Sam Pittman had his worst year as a head coach. They still finished above Texas A&M. So I feel like I was validated there. And uh, probably my favorite time on Feinbaum, I got to go on set with him, SEC Nation, when Alabama came to Tennessee and I, I pulled out the cigar and I told Paul we'd be smoking those in a day. And lo and behold, that's that's what happened. So, I mean, that was a good time. Uh, and, and see, and that's the thing is some folks will gravitate towards the wrong, but you, you have gotten right. And I think for you to be right about Kentucky this year, a lot of it goes back. Not, not, yes, the offense is what we like to talk about that's sexy, but we're at a point now where Kentucky is consistently a top five defense in the SEC. And for folks like us who grew up when Hal Mummy just was trotting out guys that tackled air more frequently than bodies, it's, it's very – it's, it's a tough pill for us to swallow, and I, I think that that might be why maybe some of the rest of the league doesn't give Brad White and Mark Stoops in their defense that re, that sort of respect that Kentucky's this hard-nosed defense. I, I don't know what it is, but it seemingly kind of goes overlooked when you compare it to the rest of the, you know, DBU at LSU or whatever it might be. And do, do you have any idea why why that might be? I think it's the logo. I think it's the brand. And and look no further than the over-unders, which I think Kentucky's at seven. I mean, that's that's just so disrespectful. It's it's not even considering uh, anything in my mind. So that that's one of my favorite overs on the board. Um, I, I don't mean to compare them to, to Vanderbilt, but, I mean, same deal with them. They're, they're over-unders at four, and that is just people being uneducated about these teams that they're putting the over-under, uh, over-unders on. But – you know, I, I think when you want to talk specifically the defense, you know, it's it's difficult to play defense when your offense is going three and out and not scoring and, and struggling against Vanderbilt and, and struggling against uh, this team and that team. I mean, without the without the pick six, they may have not beaten Florida last year. And, I mean, Florida, that was one of the most god-awful offensive performances I've seen uh, all season from an SEC team. So, I mean, that defense is legit except when they play uh, Tennessee, Josh Heupel, of course. But, uh, I mean, beyond that, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know to answer your question. but And I also think that the transfer portal, I know they lost Justin Rogers. That's a huge blow. But 
Um, I, I think what people overlook when it comes to the portal, everyone thinks, which is to a certain degree has been true, that Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State were just going to cherry pick it and, and they were just going to dominate college football. But what I think the transfer portal has really done is helped programs like Kentucky, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Arkansas, on and on and on to where we don't have to rebuild anymore. We can essentially reload if we can identify and shore up deficiencies on our roster. And I think Kentucky has done one hell of a job. Where, where would they be right now without Devin Leary? They, I wouldn't call them a bottom-tier SEC team, but I certainly wouldn't be saying 10-win season was, was a possibility if they didn't have Devin Leary on the roster. Yeah, I think you make a good point. I think it's really helped out the second-tier teams where they you you would see peaks and valleys with this team, right? Like Arkansas is a perfect example. They got KJ Jefferson, for, you know, whatever he is, fourth year starter this year. This is their big year, but in old school, you would see a big dip after he left, and then they would have to rebuild. I think what the portal has done, it's allowed those teams to really, I, to really raise their floor, at least to me. Uh, I don't that know if their ceilings have changed very much with the portal, but I think their floors have been raised, so they could stay, so they can stay in that seven eight win range and not have the Drops to five and sevens, the four and eights. I think that's where it's helped out. Uh, you mentioned Josh Heupel, Tennessee. Um, Tennessee comes to Kroger Field on October twenty eighth. Mike, who's starting at quarterback? I, I mean, I, I lean Joe Milton, but I am not. Even though I'm a Tennessee grad, I'm not one of these crazy people that thinks Joe Milton's going to win the Heisman and Tennessee is going to score sixty points per game. I mean, I, I am less certain about that than just about anything because I think Nico is the real deal but I also think if you're throwing out a freshman quarterback with what is the standard now at 10 I mean if they go if they go eight and four it's a massive disappointment they're not going to do eight and four or better with a true freshman quarterback I really don't think so so the the season in a lot of ways does kind of rely on, on Joe Milton who the last time aside from a bowl game which you know some people kind of discredit those all, all together. But the last time we saw Joe Bilt did a meaningful snap, he ran out of bounds against Ole Miss with the game on the line as time expired. I mean, that's, that's what Tennessee's kind of relying on. Now, I think he's a much better player than that, but that was comically bad. I, I was in the stands. That was probably the worst ending to a game I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah. It was one yeah. of my favorite endings. I don't. I don't know about you. I love that. And then you even go to the pit game earlier that year. I mean, he was overthrowing receivers about twenty yards, and then Hen and Hooker got in there, and then everybody, I think, in the stadium. And I remember watching it at the bar with Nick here at, at in Lexington before mm-hmm. we were going to game, and just being like, "Why wouldn't this guy start? This guy looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. What were they doing?" And then they they, they took off like a rocket after mm-hmm. that. And so yeah, I just I'm curious to see just how Hypo handles that. And, and to your point, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I know anything uh, about offensive football compared to Josh Heupel, but this is what I do in the offseason. I sit back, sit back and watch these transfers, and I watch every throw Hendon Hooker made. I watch every throw Milton made prior to them getting to Tennessee, and I said, okay, here's your guy. I mean, it's not even close, yet I don't even know how much of a competition. I don't know if, if deals were made. I don't know, but yeah. uh, th- that's how I evaluate these guys, and Going back to Devin Leary, I've watched every throw he's made. Uh, I, I think Kentucky has upgraded at quarterback. Yeah, it's just you mentioned, you know, deals, return on investment. Those people who got Nico there are probably going to want to see him on the field, <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. how long how long can Milton keep them at bay? Yeah, that just that's really kind of the uh, – like that's the low-key storyline I don't think people are talking about in SEC, but that is what – I mean that's gonna go. I mean people are gonna talk about that all year. When does Nico be in? You know how big, how long of a leash does Milton have? And so I was just curious what kind of you thought, being a little closer to the ground, if there what? was kind of a bar there for one for him to overtake maybe Milton. Right. Well, the week to to really start that narrative is week three when they play at Florida because I don't mm-hmm. think Florida is going to be very good. Yet that has been a house of horrors. It doesn't matter how yeah. bad Florida is. Tennessee finds a way to lose nearly every time. I mean, I think they've won two out of the last 18, and they don't win in the swamp. They are currently a point spread favorite. We'll see if that holds. But if Florida loses to Utah in the opener, which most of us anticipate, if Tennessee beats the hell out of uh, Virginia, which most of us – Virginia is one of the worst power five teams. I mean, Tennessee may be a two-touchdown favorite in that game. If they lose it because of Joe Milton, 
that is going to start that Sunday or probably that Saturday night, for being honest. That, that's, a, that's a good point. Um, I, I'm curious, SEC Mike, because you do follow all of these coaches pretty closely. I um, have lost all of my hair because of Eli Drinkwitz, well, whatever's left of it. Uh, Luckett's guy is Shane Beamer. Is there any one of these coaches out there that you just – I don't know. Some of their stuff, you're just, you're just not picking up what they're putting down, and, and you think that they're kind of backsliding, uh, digging their own grave, so to speak. Do you mean uh, at their current job, or you just mean as, as people? No, no. Uh, at, well, it's part of, at, part of the people thing, this. Yes. But <laughs> it's is, not is necessarily it, coaching. It's the, the acts, stuff. per yeah. se. Is that right. any of their acts wear thin on you when you're, you're following them around? I mean, front and center is Reverend Hugh down there at, uh, at Auburn. But, I mean, <laughs> he, he's not lost a game yet. But, uh, you know, he's, he's doing all the right behind the scenes, apparently, you know, building that thing up. They're going to be competitive, I think, year one, which will, will buy him a ton of goodwill. But, uh, yeah, he's top among my list. I mean, I've made it no secret, not a fan of him personally. He, I, am, I assume among the many because you've seen the stories. I mean, he DMs me when I'm critical. And I've never tagged the man in a tweet, so I don't. He's name searching himself, and uh, obviously you can go out down quite the rabbit hole if you Google Hugh Freeze DM. But uh, uh, nothing scandalous, but uh, yeah, or scandal. I, you can find both probably. Right. Well, I'm talking about me personally, but yeah, I, I know my family's from Memphis. He was a high school coach at the same time. A lot of my family's down there. I mean, I don't know. It's this is going on 20 years of questionable behavior so if, you, if there's 20 years of questionable behavior uh I'm, I'm led to believe you're a questionable person yeah and i is that gonna is that gonna work at auburn is it gonna be the most beautiful disaster that's ever happened in the history of because i i'm fascinated by how things work down there and you just i feel like hugh freeze is just gasoline that is waiting to blow up in this fire Right. Oh, no, I think they can beat Alabama this year. I mean, I, I could see something crazy like that happening. And then um, who knows how Hugh will celebrate that. But uh, if, if word gets out, yeah, I mean, he could be gone the next week. So I, I think there's going to be high highs. I think there's going to be low lows. Um, now, I mean, everybody deserves a eighth or ninth chance, apparently. And, and he's got his right now. So <laughs> I, I really hope for his sake and, and everybody else's down there, he makes the most of it. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean. <laughs> It, I feel like it's going to end poorly. And, and we haven't even talked about Jimbo and, and Bobby Petrino, but that, I mean, that You that's, can call ball play. Somebody's <laughs> going to hire you, Mike, yeah. in, this, in, this, in, in the story. I, I feel like that's a, that's a semi-truck that is like probably eight wheels are careening off the curve right now. But, hey, they got a brave face, uh, you know, Aggie Nation down there. They, they get mad as hell anytime I question Jimbo Fisher and what he's doing up there. But. If they're happy with five and seven, God bless them. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned A&M maybe getting crazy. We've seen a lot of jobs, Phil, these last couple of years, and a lot of big jobs in the league. As of right now, I wouldn't say anyone's on the hot seat per se, but is, is there any coach you could see that maybe would catch people by surprise that could get fired come November? December? Yeah, I, I think the obvious answer there is Billy Napier. Now – yeah. Would that be the wise decision? Probably not. They should probably give that more time. But again, open at Utah, Tennessee week three, a team they have owned. Let's say they drop both of those. Uh, they still got Florida State. They still got a trip to LSU. They still got Georgia. Uh, do they lose to Kentucky again? No disrespect to your, your, your audience, but the Florida coach is expected to beat Kentucky every single year. They can't beat them once. So, I mean, they have got to flip these games. And, I mean, I, this is not a joke, but it's going to sound like it. I mean, Vanderbilt is a must win. They lost to Vanderbilt last year. If they lose to Vanderbilt at home, how in the world do you keep this guy as your coach? I, he's got to be fired immediately if I'm a Florida fan. So, again, I'm not saying that's going to happen. They'll probably surprise a lot of us and have a little bit better because they got, they got a lot of talent down there. I think, I think they're just missing some of it at critical positions. So, I, I don't – expect them to, to pull a ton of upsets or anything but you know a seven and five eight and four i think that's realistic for florida but if it goes the other way four and eight something like that i'd rip that cord and, and get a coach down there georgia bama has been the sec championship i don't know how many times but it feels like every single year 
but you're not going to go with the chalk, Mike. So tell us, are, is there an off-the-wall SEC championship game scenario we should be preparing for in Atlanta this this fall? Yeah, I, I like LSU and Georgia. Now, I, I don't know how off-the-wall that is because that's what we got last year, so that wouldn't be that bold. But if you really want to go bold, well, of course, they play each other, so it wouldn't make a ton of sense. But Tennessee and Texas A&M, how about that? I mean, that conceivably could happen. Again, A&M, I got no faith in them, but they got all the pieces. They do have a good coaching staff, aside from the head coach, which that could be an obstacle. Uh, and, and who knows, if Tennessee continues this progression, because I sure as heck didn't think they were going to win 11 games last year. Now, I think it would be highly unrealistic for them to, to do that because of how good Georgia is, because they have to go to Kentucky and have to go to Alabama and Florida. Um, but I, that would be less surprising than Tennessee winning the Orange Bowl last year, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I do appreciate, too, Mike, that you are one of the few that is willing to – it's kind of like when people kept predicting that Tom Brady was going to be over the hill and then he played like eight more seasons. You are not afraid to go there with Nick Saban and say he's done. So could Kentucky kill Nick Saban? Could they be the death blow? Could they deliver the final one-two punch that knocks Nick Saban off the top of college football? Well – I'm bound to be right eventually, right? If I say it every year. So I will be right one year. But, yeah, it's funny you say that because uh, on my show, that SEC podcast, I, I can't remember when. We've done so many lists and, and you know, how we do the offseason content. But right. we, we did trap games a couple of weeks ago. And the number one trap game in the entire SEC, in my opinion, is Alabama at Kentucky later in the season. Hopefully we get some cold weather. Those Bama boys ain't ready for it uh, for whatever reason. I mean, they can't play on the road. They, they, yeah. you know, it's penalty after penalty and people are, they're just oblivious to the, all these coaching errors that Nick Saban continually makes uh, Hell, in the LSU game. We all remember the two point play that LSU won it. Well, everybody forgets he went for two other two point plays that they failed to get. And that's why the game went into overtime because he's making these critical mistakes and even I believe it was that two-point play. It was after a timeout. They had too many men on the field. This, like, what in the world are we doing? This is not Nick Saban, the greatest of all time that we're accustomed to. It, is, it has certainly slipped. I mean, they should have lost to A&M last year. God awful Jimbo Fisher, his, his uh, play calling cost A&M in that one. They probably should have lost to Texas. I don't think Texas was any good last year or, or average at best Big 12 team, but their quarterback got hurt. And they lost that one. I mean, all they had to do was prevent Tennessee from going 50 yards in two plays with, I believe, one timeout. They couldn't do it. This is troubling to me. And, and it, this is not a one-year deal. This is essentially since Alabama got destroyed by Clemson in the national championship game. My, my opinion on Nick Saban has shifting more and more each year. And I know they won the COVID year, but... I mean, that was such an outlier year that even Jimbo Fisher managed to win some football games. So I, I don't really have respect for anything that happened during the COVID year. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned they play, you, they play yeah. LSU the week before the Kentucky game, which is going to be exactly. the CBS Saturday night game. Their that biggest could game be the uh, SEC West championship game as well. Yeah. Um, and do I trust Tommy Reese, Adam Luckett? Do I trust <laughs> Kevin Steele? I mean, oh, gosh. You know what? I'm. I'm. I think Mitch Barnhart would be happy to pay that hundred thousand dollar fine to Alabama if Kentucky beats Alabama and the Cats storm the field. Uh, Mike, I know you got to get out of here, but I did uh, want to point out just how awesome your setup is. I think you got the best podcasting setup in all the biz. Got all the helmets already. Got Texas and Oklahoma in the oh, mix. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, we're ready. And, yeah, and Gerald Lorenzen front and center, right over Mike Leach. Uh, and, and, you know, he's a Mississippi State guy, but he's a Kentucky guy, too. So I, I love the nods there with the, the Cats front and center. Yeah. Well, obviously, I'm just doing this out of my house. So you see so many setups and it's just, I don't know, it looks kind of rinky dink and stuff. So I'm, I'm just trying to up the presentation a little bit to get to reel people in before, uh, you know, they get the content and see all the crazy things I have to say. So. Uh, this is what I what gets people reeled in. And I, me and my cousin Shane, we do our best to keep people uh, stay tuned on a daily basis. But well, if you haven't tuned into him before, that SEC podcast, I owe cousin.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Shane, a bottle of bourbon. Um, I do. It, it pains me to say um, I lost that bet. But you were you were in. You took a little excursion to Kentucky last summer. You tried some bourbons. Do you have a favorite favorite Kentucky bourbon? Ooh. Uh, I mean, obviously Buffalo Trace is at the at the top of that list. We are actually going back. Uh, or I, me and my dad. That's who I went with last time. We're we're going a week from. Uh, yesterday. So we're going to be hitting up Heaven Hill, Jim Beam, uh, Jeb the Creek, Bullet, uh, Angels oh, wow. Envy, Old Forester, yeah. Mitch Mitchers, Evan Williams. And then, yeah. and then Saturday, we're, te- we're going Buffalo Trace again and Wild Turkey. So we're going to be hitting wow. a lot of these places. You're doing it all. That's awesome. That's awesome. Really getting in the bourbon trail. I live here, and I haven't been to that many uh, distilleries like it. So, SEC Mike, yeah. he's 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 basically an adopted son of Kentucky. I've been on a handful, and Buffalo Trace was probably my favorite tour of the ones I've been on. So, yeah, I'm well, with, I, I'm with I, you there, Mike. I'll be honest with you. So, when we went last year, it was right after media days, and I was like, I mean, I'm not too scared, but I was like, I'm not revealing my location till the, after <laughs> I leave because of that media days. I mean. Those Kentucky, I had people from, uh, I don't want to mention names or anything, but people within that facility reaching out to me, wanting to know, uh, you know, my whereabouts while I was in the state of Kentucky. I think it was all, it was all in good fun, but I didn't let them know until the next day, if you know what I mean. He's worried about the trail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to get, get lost on the trail. <laughs> SEC Mike, it's been a pleasure. We'll see you on that SEC podcast and that SEC Media Days where we're only – about a month away. Um, so can't wait to get down to Nashville. It'll be a new setup for all of this. But uh, it's been a pleasure, Mike. Appreciate you joining us. Absolutely. Anytime you guys need me, uh, I'm, I'm happy to join your show. Thank SEC you, Mike. Mike from that SEC podcast, joining 11 personnel. Uh, you can join us next week, like I said, at Monticello Bank, noon Wednesday in Linden, 9900 Ormsby road i believe is the address more details scroll down on the podcast post we got it i like it i his nick saban takes kind of get me uneasy but at the same time he makes some good points especially about the coaching kind of mistakes and how bad how i think for me more of what it is is the undisciplined football on the road and yeah if kentucky plays well enough you know, what if Georgia is their only SEC loss to that point, right? Like, could you imagine the Eric Wolford takes? <laughs> I mean, everybody, you kind of forget that, right? Yeah, because the smoke died down on that. But there's a lot. We got a lot of ball to play <laughs> before we get there. But yeah, I, like that's not a like yeah, that's one of the. That's one of the like if you're going through the schedule, that's one of the likely loss. You've got two really likely losses yes, that you're putting yes. in the likely loss column. That's one of them. But you know, you see how the season plays out. They got Alabama has issues, but they also got the most talented roster, arguably most talented roster in college football. Um, there are the warts that people are pointing out in a big way this offseason. We have to see how the season shakes out. Uh, but yeah, they've struggled on the road. Like the road, like Ole Miss almost beat them last year. Like, we got game one down the wire. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of games like that for them on the road. And so we'll see what happens this year. Uh, you know, we'll just have to see. But, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, I, I get why people are saying it. I, I'm a little more hesitant just because what if they do – if they figure it out at quarterback, if something mm-hmm. – ha- you know, if Ty Simpson just turns it on here in fall camp, they could – you know, that yeah, might be the yeah. best team in the country. Right. Uh, because of the rest of the roster. And so we just got a lot of ball. And we, that's a game. Like, to me, when you're talking about the season, that game for Kentucky is way down the list. Like, way down. There's a lot oh, more yeah, yeah. important games, well, I think, for the Cats. In, in when I was filling out my, like, path to upsets, that one was the most difficult to kind of figure out because Kentucky's a three-touchdown dog. Or they're at least a touchdown dog in three games. 
Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee. And mm-hmm. I think the Tennessee game, I mean, Kentucky could be a seven-point favorite by the time that gets here because Tennessee is such a wild card. Uh, I did want to clarify on Mike's behalf, though, um, he meant ten total wins. You know, nine and three win a bowl game, what they've done the previous two yes. times. So that, that, that does, you know, that, that means you probably win one of those games you shouldn't. You probably lose one of those games you shouldn't. Uh, we've we've gone through it quite a bit up until this point, but I enjoy having SEC Mike on to uh, hash out uh, some of his his spicy spicy and meet the balls. Um, <laughs> but uh, we need to get into the kind of nitty gritty of the recruiting because it's a big recruiting time of the year. Uh, we've been at camps. I was at a camp today on Thursday. There was one Sunday. There's been official visitors in and out all week. Um, we've got more arguably the biggest recruiting weekend of the year is coming up this weekend. Then you're going to have another one the next. Um, but first, like let's, let's briefly touch on the camp aspect of things because there hasn't been one giant star studded sort of event with a lot of people working out. But Tuesday you had Cutter Bowley coming in, uh, while some official visitors were on campus today, Liam Cohen issued a new offer to a 2025 quarterback that has some really intriguing film. I got to watch him today, and, um, you know, I I like quarterbacks with a compact throwing motion, right? Like, it just kind of gets out of there quick, uh, and he moves well, right? Back in there in the pocket, his name is Scotty Fox. Scotty Fox sounds like a quarterback. He's got quarterback hair. Uh, He's from the Cleveland area, had an offer previously from West Virginia. I want to say maybe Purdue and some other smaller schools, but uh, another 2025 quarterback on the board. And I, what I wanted to see in person, Lucky, was how big was that arm. And two, um, you know, the the kind of sling it behind your ear, throwing motion, uh, that can be good, but sometimes it can be bad. Uh, I, I know I'm not being very specific there. There were a couple times where I felt like he was shot putting it a little bit, but when he gets moving, he really re- reaches that arm back and delivers the ball accurate, accurately down the field. So uh, Cohen ultimately decided to offer that scholarship afterwards to add another name to the big, to the mix in 2025, along with Stone Saunders, who's expected to camp with Cohen next week. Yeah, these. Camps typically regarding QB recruiting are important because you get to see kids throw, you get to get them on campus, and it's really when like your evaluation I think gets sped up on these quarterbacks a class ahead, and so it's important to get guys on campus so you can see them and work with them, and so getting. I mean, Cohen said at one point too, like. He's got to see him in person before he's going to make a judgment on them one way or another. He's pretty picky. He wants to see him throw in person. Yeah. And this is their really only opportunity. And so the problem, the problem Kentucky runs into sometimes is just try, getting these kids on campus. Um, a couple years ago, Chris Vecina was kind of a big one who kind of started to blow up. He just did the big schools, right? Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, on down the line. And so they couldn't really get him. They got him on campus. He stopped in for a like a half day visit, but they didn't get to see him throw. So it's always important that we want to get see him throw. Cincinnati St. X quarterback Chase Herbstreet, youngest son of Kirk. Mm-hmm. If you don't know who Kirk Herbstreet is, I'm not sure why you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> He's, Imagine having he, to explain <laughs> to somebody who Kirk Herbstreet is. Yeah. Oh man. So, He's so, this guy who talks football, and he's on TV <laughs> all the time. <laughs> so he's in the class of 2025. He's going to Ohio State, Notre Dame, all the big schools. He's not going to camp yet at Kentucky. It's not seeming like, even though Kentucky's kind of recruiting him the hardest. Mm-hmm. That's a sign that it could be difficult to get him. Yeah, yeah. But then there's school kids like you know Ryan Montgomery and Stone Saunders, who they've had a relationship with. And Saunders sounding like he's probably going to be the biggest fish they're going to get to camp, at least that we know as of right now. Um, next week and so finding that next quarterback in 2025 is important so building options so they have guys they can look at is a good sign yeah yeah Yeah. Um, I did want to add before we move on to more recruiting part of what this these camps are like we see all the current players out there right and they're kind of hanging out maybe working out a little bit Um, and for 
I mean, it's the first time we've seen a lot of them since spring practice. Or first time ever. Grant Godfrey was one of those guys. And that dude looks good in shorts. Right? He's a first off the bus kind of guy. Um, that's one of those. It'd be nice if you could kind of stash and dash away for a year or two and then just see what we got here. But also could just be a starter next year. Right? Uh, they're going to start him out at edge. So, curious how that goes. And then the other one I wanted to mention too, like it, I just – when I think about the young receivers that are really good, I just always forget Shamar Porter, even though he could be the best of them all. I That was the first time seeing him in person, and he's as big as Dane. Like he's a big old kid like that can high point the football, really talented. So I just – just a couple that I hadn't seen before, but finally getting to see in person, you're like, oh, you know, even though it was a quote-unquote kind of down year, Kentucky was behind in recruiting – uh, they still got some guys that look like they can be dudes in Lexington in the future. Yeah, I think last year they closed really strong. Now, I think the ball bounced their ways on a couple things. When you talk about Luke Fickle leaving Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and you talk about Jeff Brom leaving Purdue, if those two things don't happen, I don't know if Kamari Anderson and Kendra Gilbert are yeah. on the roster right now. Right, right. And those are two of the freshmen, I think, people are more excited about. And so, will that, you know, can you bank on closing that well as they did last year? That's a big question, I think, with this class currently. Um, So now it's, you know, it's closing time. You play the song if you want to. But this is what recruiting really is all about at the end of the day. And I do think the NIL distraction was kind of, a thing this time last year. Mm-hmm. Like maybe Kentucky didn't have money. Maybe they did. Yada, yada, yada. That doesn't seem like as much of a thing, even though Mitch Barnhart was in DC yesterday with the rest of the college sports world, um, at asking for our government to help. We, we, we love the strain <laughs> so, of politics on this show. Um, it's our favorite thing. And it's also abundantly clear that, um, they're about as effective at getting things done as Jimbo Fisher is at scoring touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Just to get, yeah, there, just for our just, friend SEC month. So that's going to be they're going to handle that. However, that ends up getting handled. But for right now, what my point is, I think they're in better shape than they were last year. Yeah, it feels like that at least. Yeah, yeah maybe it's just we know a little bit more, so we're getting better at jobs potentially, or they're <laughs> they're just these guys are talking more. Maybe it could be either or. Uh, but it feels like they're in better. But they just got to close on these guys, Nick. Yes. Yeah, so let's first get one, some of those guys yeah. they can close on. Yeah. The first one is Brian Robinson. Like, yeah. Top the... 200 edge. Nick, I'm going to name the top 250 players they've gotten from Ohio. It ain't many. I mean, you're talking Lynn Bolden, Tyro Asian, Alex Safari, Darian Kennard. Um, I think there might be one more. But Brian Robinson's the fifth. or It could be the fifth or the sixth. Yeah, he would be the fifth per on three industry rankings. Because yeah. you have to think, if you're a top 50 kid in Ohio, Ohio you're probably a top 5, 6 kid in the state. Ohio State's taking you, usually. Which, so they um, have... Well, speaking of, he was camping there today. And that's kind mm-hmm. of, it's very rare for somebody that old, but it's, 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 a, it's, it's very much so a, he's camping to see if he can get an offer. And if not, probably commit yeah. to Kentucky. Yeah, I time. haven't, there was, he was at Ohio State. But I'm not sure if he, yeah, actually, they camp. can go to these camps and not camp, right? Just hang out, which is the case for most guys like, who are of the. Callen, Callen Fox, who's a four-star blue chip tight end in the 2024 class, he was at a camp at Kentucky last year, and this was a kid that just kind of went to everything. I mean, he visited hundreds of schools. He's probably going to end up at Florida State. I think he's got picks in for Florida State. He just showed up and just did nothing. Like, it was just there. Same thing with uh, Elijah Melendez today, who I but, think Zach's yeah. talking to, who's four-star linebacker from Florida, just a big badass. And it, then you'll see guys like Arvell Reese kind of did the same thing, but then just kind of decided, hey, I want to jump in and do a couple things. Yeah. And so what it, What actually did Brian Robinson do there? You know, he's been to Ohio State a couple times, a few times, just where are they at? Um, but it's like, by all accounts, it seems like a two-horse race, and we'll get into Ohio State here in a minute. Uh, between Kentucky and Michigan, he canceled his Penn State OV. Yeah, 
yep. this week. Says he's going to reschedule. But by all accounts, this is Kentucky and Michigan. I think Kentucky, you know, Youngstown. Kentucky's recruited him for a long time. Had he, has had, had him on campus a bunch of times. I think they've got a chance to close here. I've put in a pick for Kentucky to land Brian Robinson. I, I, I believe he told Chad Simmons he would like to commit in the summer. So that, that could potentially be one of the guys you see commit around 4th of July, which is a popular commitment date in the recruiting space. They just got, I think, he's the biggest target on campus this weekend to me. Or like he could just full, pop them. He could. Full court. Well, he could, yeah, he could give us, well, last OV, he could just go ahead and give a silent, right? I mean, that's probably what I think the goal is over in that football building is to yeah. get him committed before he leaves campus this weekend. And I, it's encouraging that he left Michigan without it. Um, but if you follow along closely and if you're a part of KS board right now, I mean, if this is the sort of stuff you love, we're talking about it, you know, hourly about updates from all across uh, the country. And one of those, those latest updates was late last night. Jaden Smith announced a decision date. And he's one of the many Michigan or Kentucky guys, a.k.a. Steve Klingscale versus Vince Merrow on the recruiting trail. They did this in the last class. They're doing it in this one. And for me, what's been surprising is how many of these guys that Michigan has actually taken this early in the process. They're pushing for early commitments. And it says a lot to me that they've been pushing for these early commitments. Brian Robinson was officially visiting last weekend, and they didn't get that early commitment. Um, it feels like uh, in, in this whole Vince versus Clink, I think Michigan's going to have a lot more cachet right now. You should after back-to-back college football playoff appearances and Big Ten titles. Um, so they should have had the upper hand, but it does feel like that this is one where – Vince Merrow set his sights on early and is keyed in. And if he can get this one, it's it's huge for an optics standpoint. From the practical pass rushing standpoint, like it, I think he's done a great job of developing over the last year. Um, I I I worry, uh, I, you know, after Khalil Branham, I'm always a little hesitant on the guys who are sharing workout videos and and tweeting all their meals and stuff like that. Um, but I. I, I do get the sense that he's a good kid. He's going to work hard. And I also wonder this. I think right now he's like a true 4-3 defensive end. I wonder if he has the – like he feels like a, a very much a run-stopping edge setter and less of a pass-rushing 3-4 guy. What, 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 do you, what say you? Yeah, I, I still need to dig in some of the research here. But, yeah, I think he's a – you know, he might be more of a heavy-handed, physical, run-through-you, you know, power-first. Still needs to develop his refinement as a rush specialist. Uh, but he's definitely a kid, like, physically. Yeah. He's going to be ready to play. Mm-hmm. And this position, Nick, on the this is a premium position. Yes. Everybody wants these dudes. Can are you six three six four yoked up, and can you physically can you knock big ass three hundred and twenty pound tackles backwards, and do you have the athleticism to go around them and bend the bend the edge and rush the passer? Like these, this is a premium position in football. There's a reason why you see five six of these dudes go in the first round of the draft every year. Everybody wants these dudes. Kentucky's done a very good job recruiting this room for Kentucky standards. I mean, you look in the room right now, J.J. Weaver, Keaton Wade, Tyrese Fearbury were all top 300-ish, all four-star prospects. And then Brian Robinson can continue. Like, that's, that's stacking a room, stacking layered recruiting. That's stacking talent and spacing it out. And so you have a line. This is not a position you want to go in the portal to try to find. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and so, like, getting these guys out of high school is very important, and he can just kind of continue that 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 streamline that they have. And it's just he's a really important 
recruit. If you don't get him, this Ohio class is not, you know, doesn't look great. Mm -hmm. You're not in on a lot of, you know, guys. And it also it keeps the Youngstown alive, right? Like that. There's just a lot of things that make Kentucky they, make Kentucky fans warm and fuzzy. They need so. a win over Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Whether Michigan, do. the Michigan men will tell you it's not a win. They they need to get one. Michigan's you know Kentucky maybe got the big fish, big number zero. It's playing on their defensive line, yep. Deion Walker. Right. But Michigan has got them. I mean, last year they really Michigan kind of handed it to Kentucky. Well, there was that, that safety from. Jair Hill out of Chicago. You yeah. had the two young, the two Youngstown uh, guys that like the three star guys. DJ, yeah. uh, trying, trying to think of their names right now off the top of my I, head. I, but also yeah. you had Carmelo English, who Kentucky Cameron recruited Calhoun. for a long time. Cameron Calhoun, which was mm-hmm. a roller coaster a, in of itself. Yeah, a whole mess, right? There's just been a few of them, and then in this class, you know, they're going to get the Smith twins. Yep, uh, they've already got a half of one. Yeah, they'll probably get the other one now. And so you got it like to get this one would be a big deal. And then you've got your you've got your pillars on each side. Yep. You you've got, got an edge. Cutter Bowley. You got you Cutter Bowley on offense. And then your top two ranked players are at premium positions. And guys you can build around. And the third premium position, the other one that can hear its name called number one in the NFL draft, is offensive tackle. And they got one coming in this weekend in Jonathan Daniels who on three ranks is the number one offensive tackle in America. And then next weekend you've got Shaq McCroy uh, coming in, who is kind of an Oregon lean right now, but they're picking up some steam with some other offensive tackles. So there's, mm-hmm. it's on the table. Now, Daniels, that's one of those that it, it reminds me of when Collins, Chris Collins got a couple of those Florida DBs in for official visits, but it was early and they were going to visit elsewhere and it was just going to be hard to, retain any momentum there so I'm not going to get my hopes up too much for this kid but getting him on campus is huge in and of itself because it's what Georgia Alabama Clemson are these other big three ones I think Florida State because he's a pain I think Florida State and LSU are kind of the top two okay okay I know he's got a Georgia OV coming up and that's probably what stuck in my head but yeah nevertheless just getting him on campus is significant Um, but I did want to shift away we were talking about Kentucky versus Michigan Kentucky versus Ohio State Look, we had some early week shenanigans, unlike anything I've ever seen when Justin Rowland reported that Sam Williams-Dixon was on Kentucky's campus for an official visit. And it was accompanied by a tweet that says, I'm a running back, I'm not an athlete, from Sam Williams-Dixon. A little bit of defiance because he's the third running back in their recruiting class. But all these websites list him as an athlete, on three included. And Kentucky's telling him, dude, you're you're not playing receiver there. You're going to play running back. You want to share carries with him? So they get him on campus. Ohio State coaches, not happy. This is a program that does not like when their commitments go elsewhere. And look at those quotes that he gave Berm, Jeremy Birmingham, who covers Ohio State. It was basically a public apology to Ohio State. I've, I've never seen anything like it. It was uh, quite an eventful two days for the three-star running back, Sam Williams-Dixon, who's uh, actually from Columbus. So fascinated to see what happens next because he has an official visit scheduled to Ohio State this weekend. This weekend, yeah. This, this is one where it's important to know like how to read the language here. Ohio State's got two tailbacks in the class. They added one two weeks, a kid from South Florida, a top, like, 300 kid, two weeks after Sam Williams-Dixon committed to them. So he's probably not super happy about that. No. You know, he's saying, I'm a running back. He's probably not super happy about them having three tailbacks, two are ranked higher than them. Typically, teams don't add more than two running backs in a class. So, Vince Merrill is telling him, you know, it. In my opinion, probably what he's telling him. You know, they're all. You know, they're over recruiting you. You can come here and be our number one guy yeah. in yeah. our class. I've been come telling here. you this for years. He was, you know, like down we've down. got all these seniors in the room. You can come in and get carries right away. Mm-hmm. And so come here, you can play in an NFL offense. Yada 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 yada. And so Kentucky's able. The fact that he made the official visit and did tell him should tell you a lot, in my opinion. Yeah. Especially doing it, like he could have just very well officially visited Ohio State and then gone to Kentucky next week too. But they got him down here now. 
So I'm I'm fascinated to see what's next. Yeah. When I spoke with some sources at UK, they weren't expecting a flip to be imminent by any means. But also, like, the, the, that relationship well, might be beyond reconciliation at this point. You know, we're gonna we're going to find out how much Ohio State values him. Yes, very soon. We're going to find out how good Ryan Day thinks he is after yeah. this weekend. If he decommits on uh, that sometime next week, they probably don't value him very much. They probably like, all right, you can just go. Yeah. But Ohio State has to be careful here, Nick, because Pick North, where he's at, yeah. Is a pot. I mean, they get a lot of kids from there. Jack Sawyer, who's going to be one of their best defensive players, was a top ten recruit a couple years ago. He played at Pick North. I mean, they get a lot of guys from that high school. So that's one of their pipelines. They're probably not going to want to, you know, burn a bridge mm-hmm. there. So how they kind of handle that? It's just going to be a situation to watch. Yeah. Um, but it's important that Kentucky got it. They needed to, for that to even happen. They had to get him in and- for an official. Which, speaking of recruiting hubs for Ohio State, uh, Vince Merrow is not too shy to go to Glenville, which is just outside of Cle- – no, it is in Cleveland. Who am I kidding? Yeah. Uh, is it the Tar tar Butters? What yes. are they called? Tar, the tar Butters. butters? <laughs> yes. Great, great, great nickname. Uh, Demarion Witten caught a 39-yard touchdown pass in the state championship game. It's seemingly – Kentucky versus Ohio State for this four-star recruit. He's he's good. Top 300 overall prospect by a lot of the recruiting rankings. He's officially visiting Kentucky this weekend. Uh, he'll be at Ohio State later this month. Um, I saw somebody at 0-3's uh, Ohio State site, Letterman Row, put in an RPM for him to Ohio State recently. But the Buckeyes do already have one commitment from uh, top th- 250 tight end. Uh, out of, I want to say Florida, if I'm not mistaken, look at LeBlanc. Nashville. It's Nashville? Okay. But Pretty LeBlanc sure, yeah. is his last name. Max uh, LeBlanc, yeah. And this is just a fascinating dynamic. And I, I'm, Chattanooga. He's from Chattanooga. Okay. Uh, but Wynn's a good ball player. You, you're you really high on this guy. And mm-hmm. um, Kentucky's also kind of high on one of his teammates, too, and Fred Johnson Jr., that – is an offensive tackle from Glenville who will also be officially visiting this weekend. And uh, you, there's just a lot of dynamics in play for both of these Ohio guys, or hell, all three of these Ohio guys we've discussed that Vince Marrow is in the running for. Yeah, Deshante Jones, too, unranked running back, will also be in in this weekend, another Glenville. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Guy. You worry Witten is kind of heading down the same path as Arvell Reese. Like, if, as long as Ohio State stays away, I feel like Kentucky probably going to get Witten. But I'm not sure they're going to stay away. I, I like Witten a lot because he's kind of a prototypical, I think, flex tight end. Kind of in the Jordan Dingle mold. He can line up one-on-one, beat coverage. He can run after the catch. Good athlete. Create space. He and he's got a big frame that he's only going to, I think, grow into in a college strength and conditioning program. You could see him being a real – you could project him as being a real weapon in a college offense. So it would be nice to get him in what, mm-hmm. for what Kentucky does. But it's going to – you know, you've got to – it's Ohio State. So if they – and it's Glenville on top of that. So right. Coached by they, Ted Ginn Sr. If they come, he's going there. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. But if they don't – you got a great chance, and he's a guy that you might have to sweat out until, like, he could decide in December just waiting on a Ohio State offer. Waiting wait to see if he's a take, right? You just kind yeah. of don't don't take him Ohio. And a lot of it comes down to, as if you're members of KS board, a lot of the the putting the pieces together is also being well aware mm-hmm. of uh, what's happening at the other schools they're considering. And that's why Luck it's one of the best of the best. And right now, what is it, a dollar for three months or fifty bucks for the year? 
um, if you sign up during our summer special. So check it out. Um, I, one thing I didn't put behind the paywall, though, like it is, I, I submitted an RPM with some pretty high confidence that Kentucky is going to put the squeeze on Willie Rodriguez and secure commitment from the Covcath tight end this weekend. Um, you know, there was a time there like it, uh, you know, a few months ago where we're like, are they going to they gonna offer this kid? You know, is, what's going on over here? <laughs> because South Carolina, Arkansas, Vandy, they were all offering, recruiting him. And you just worried that Kentucky might get behind right. on this kid. And part of the reason why I think there was some hesitancy is, first and foremost, uh, Liam Cohen is a little bit more selective. Um, he's a little bit on the picky side. Uh, they have a lot of young tight ends. So if you're going to take some, uh, you know, whoever you're getting up next, you want to make sure they're a ball player. Uh, and the other part of it is, is Rodriguez really did kind of, I, I heard he grew two or three inches in the last year or so and is now legit 6'4", 225, right? Like, he has that SEC build now. And when Cutter Bowie committed, first guy he mentioned is, who you going to go get? Well, Willie Rodriguez. Bowie's going to be officially visiting this weekend along with uh, – is, is Selm using it too, or is it just Hayes Johnson? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The, all three commitments will be in Lexington yeah. this weekend. So they're, they're going to be having the best time possible. They're going to do the thing where we're being all friends, and then one night's going to come along and be like, all right, so we're going to do this or what? Um, I, I anticipate uh, Kentucky locking up Willie Rodriguez this weekend. Um, and th- that might be the first to go public. You kind of reference maybe you get a silent commitment or something like that elsewhere. But this one might be the first one that really gets the snowball rolling for the rest. Yeah. He had This is his third official visit. He went to Purdue last weekend. He was supposed to midweek at Virginia Tech and then going to Kentucky here. So – yeah, I think you've put it in. I think they're going to try to leave here with a commitment, and I think they probably get that. I think you mentioned Fred Johnson. I think they're going to do the same to him too. Mm-hmm. They're going to try to get him in the boat. Goes to Louisville, supposed to go to Louisville yeah. in Pittsburgh the next mm-hmm. two weekends. Do they try to hey, – don't do that. Just go ahead. Let's let's get you on. Um, so those are two I think to watch potentially yeah. this weekend, early commits. But Rodriguez – definitely sticks out and he's more of your traditional Y tight yeah. end blocker in line um, and that he'd be a good match I think if you could get Witten but you're also you got to look like you're losing Bates you know this is the the hype channel of Josh Caddis but <laughs> after that you know right. you've got to what is Tanner LeMaster what does he look like you've got to kind of backfill with Guys who can block, you know, big tight ends who can block. And I think Rodriguez kind of fits that mold. And I, you've mentioned Notre Dame, Nick. Going to have to keep the fighting Irish away, keep them out of northern Kentucky. But, it, like, this would be a solid – he's underranked right now. He's a low three-star recruit, but a lot of that is because he's a late bloomer. This would be a very solid recruiting win. He's got a nice offer sheet. Go ahead and get him, and then get your fourth in-state guy in the class, and then start branching out from there. But would fill a need on the roster, and again, with layered recruiting, helps them backfill that tight end room, which they I think they've built pretty well, and they haven't needed transfers to build that room. They've done that yeah. with strictly yeah. high school recruiting. Um, I want to get to some questions too from our viewers. We have. Uh taking up a lot of oxygen. We appreciate having SEC Mike on earlier. Uh, Jerry is not very happy with me. Um, he says that I ignore the listeners because I'm trying – I can't keep up with Luckett. But it's mostly just because um, I'm worried my internet will get shot having the stream yard up and the YouTube up. That's definitely happened before. Um, but he did ask a valid question. He was like, hey, Luckett, what do we think is what is I mean, the state of these sales just can't compete with St. X, Jerry? I mean, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with it. It just is what it is. Just acknowledge the elephant in the room. He said, "Are we good with no? <laughs> Are we good with no?" And if you want to yeah, take it, depends who you ask, right? Yeah, yeah. Depends if it's Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. Depends but on right, uh, what what player happens, you know, comes up. But I, I think that as of right now, they're. They're in a good spot now. We'll see if they lose the recruitment that they didn't want to lose, if that if that changes. But as of right now, 
the, this the is big, a fluid situation. They're in a much improved spot from last this time last summer. I think they've got their ducks in a row, especially how Mark Stoops, I think, kind of wants it. Mm-hmm. Barry and Brown and Deion Walker are still on the roster. That should tell you a good amount. Devin Leary's on the roster. They don't that those guys aren't on it if their NIL situation is not in order. So I think they are like like where the like where they're at. They got Cutter Bowley. That that's probably another sign. Uh, that I think they're in a they're in good shape there. Yeah. Now again, that could change. I, Matt Matt could go on the radio on July fourth or right after July fourth and tell us they're not in good shape. But as you know, this thing is fluid. But I think as of right now, yes, to answer your question, well, they are in good good spot. And the what I liken it to is it was hor- horrible timing, but just being able to open up the collective to the public. Um, I think in a lot of situations early on in the nil era, they were relying solely on individual boosters to foot the bill on a lot of this stuff. Now there's a, all right, here's kind of our base on budget that we can work with where there's money that's consistently going to be there. And it's helped in the portal. Uh, I'm not sure how moving forward, uh, but I haven't heard any sort of concerns about Kentucky and name image likeness. And it's, it's big in high school, but it's really big in the portal. Yeah, especially going to get these top guys. Yeah. You want to get the Learys, of Cortland Fords. You know, you got to have your money, mm-hmm. right? Um, I like this question too from a little bit earlier. Um, what's more likely, Georgia or Bama? You got to pick one. Who's the easiest one to upset? Like it, uh, Alabama's at home. Yeah. Uh, and even though they might, well, they haven't seen them play. At, well, we saw in twenty twenty, and it got ugly. But they do, they do match up well with Georgia in a lot of ways. But I don't know if it's well enough to win a game. It's kind of a keep it close. Well enough well. to keep it close. Yeah, yeah. Where they're and, in the fourth quarter, and they they might like last year. They sneakily like that game was. It almost got kind of scary for Georgia. Yeah. Uh, if they hit on that that wide delay over the middle. Hmm. And Dingle breaks a tackle and scores. That's a totally right different game. I mean, you know, Cheeks could have got tight over there on that Georgia sideline, and they weren't playing well that day, and they really didn't have a good feel on offense. It could have, and it was cold. It was kind of everything mm-hmm. we wanted in that Georgia game to be. And I've always thought, like, I don't know if Kentucky can win that playing that way, but I left that game thinking, well. If they catch, they got to catch Georgia on the. They have to really catch them on an off night. But if they catch them on an off night, they can beat them. I could see them beating that Georgia, how Georgia played. It's just getting, you know, you can't have no control over them playing like that. Um, and so I would say Georgia's probably a better matchup. But that, but Alabama's at home. Alabama might be a little bit more vulnerable. Alabama's got more, I would say, unknowns as of right now than Georgia does. And going into Sanford Stadium, it's just. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Two, and it doesn't matter that it's a little bit earlier and they got a new offensive coordinator, new quarterback. Uh, we talked about it last week. They still got a ton of offensive weapons. So um, a lot to overcome. Um, it did remind me, though, like it, that the rules – I don't know if we ever talked about it once they got changed, but clocks aren't stopping anymore after first downs except for the final two minutes. And mm-hmm. Kirby and Mark, they love, they love those long possessions, keeping that clock turning and burning. Um so that that could certainly come into effect that game. Um, also excited to see how that works for our 7:30 SEC Network specials. Like that, <laughs> you're trying that, to get home before 3 a.m. Dude, that Akron kickoff time <laughs> stinks. That stinks out loud. That's the weekend of Bourbon and Beyond. I think the Black Keys are playing that night. I don't I don't know how many people are going to go. Would rather watch Kentucky play the Zips and Joe Moorhead or the Black Keys. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, we appreciate y'all following along today. I love some folks. They shouted out Woodford as their favorite bourbon. That was Kevin. Woodford's good. Who doesn't That's, love Woodford? Oh, it's it, yeah. You, you can't. It's the most go popular wrong. one. Yeah, it's the most popular. Especially with like all the, you know, topper upper shelf. Like even the really really expensive ones. Uh, I, I'm still just fine with Woodford. Um, Which I, reminds it, me, we got into a long conversation at the combine with a gentleman from South Carolina who talked to me and Nick about bourbons for at least 90 minutes in his bourbon adventures. Yeah. Oh yeah. He was like flying all over the place for him. Mm -hmm. Um, 
was real big on it, and then he ended up recommending something to me, and I just completely forgot it. It was the uh, the birthday. Yeah, birthday yeah. bottles yeah. of Old Forester or Blanton's or something like that. Yeah, I'm not uh, sure. Yeah, that was the first I've really heard. I'm not too into that, the end of that, that game, but he was – I, I'll happily sip on some Jefferson's by the sea too. That stuff is wonderful. Or just any bourbon that would like to sponsor eleven personnel. Uh, <laughs> by all means, we're open. I'll I'll stack your bottles all around my desk like I'm SEC Mike with football helmets. Right? Just we're open for business, and that's why we'll be at Monticello Bank on Wednesday. That's Wednesday, 14th. June. Yes, June the fourteenth, noon. 9900 Ormsby Station Road in Linden. Very convenient location. Come hang out with us during your lunch break. Bring some questions. We'll be happy to answer. We're still going to be live on the YouTube channel. We have those capabilities, so you'll still be able to get to listen to us. And um, cooking up a fun little surprise next week. Might be our a little bonus episode uh, before Luckett hits the road on vacation. So we might be double dipping in order to take a little bit of a a break. but we appreciate you all subscribing, liking the page, and uh, following along with us. Uh, we'll see you next Wednesday at noon at Monticello Bank. For Adam Luckett, I'm Nick Roush. This has been 11 Personnel. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.